I want to take as my text this morning uh, that Psalter reading and part of it, Psalm 19, verses 1 through 11. Psalm 19, verses 1 through 11. In fact, if you take your Bible and break it just about right in the middle, you'll probably hit Psalms and then find your way to the 19th Psalm. I want to encourage you to do that if you have your Bible handy. Psalm 19, and uh, in particular, verses 1 through 11, if you'd like to look on with me as we read that again. Psalm 19, and beginning at verse 1, in which the psalmist says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. And yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. In them God has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. It rises from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean and enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. And moreover, by them is your servant warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. I've titled my talk this morning, God is Speaking. God is speaking. Indeed, he is. God is speaking, whether we may be listening or not. God is speaking. You may recall that not infrequently, Jesus, when he was telling a parable to a crowd and teaching them, he might say at the very end, uh, and uh, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And whether or not we're hearing or, or, or not, and whether or not we're getting it, God is uh, still speaking. Uh, and he's not only just speaking, but he's speaking to us. He's speaking to you, uh, and he's speaking to me. Uh, the English uh, philosopher and statesman Francis Bacon, who was born in 1561, who was also credited with having developed the scientific method, said that God has revealed to himself, or if you like, God is speaking uh, to us in two books. And he identified them. Firstly, the book of nature, our creation, and secondly, the book of scripture. And so the book of nature, the book of creation, and the book of scripture. And in our text this morning, the psalmist likewise mentions two ways in which God is speaking to us. In fact, in those two ways. And the first is that God is speaking to us in creation. Indeed, notice again uh, the psalm, verses 1 through 4. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. 
There is no speech and there are no words. There's no voice. It isn't actually anything to, to hear. It's a metaphor. And yet their voices go out throughout all the world and their words to the ends of the earth. The psalmist says that uh, God is speaking to us in the sky above. Uh, indeed, the psalmist says that the, the heavens declare, that's speaking, to declare something, that the heavens declare the glory of God. Uh, that is that the heavens, the, 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 the sun and the moon and the stars declaring God's infinite power and wisdom, his greatness, if you will. And surely God, by definition, must be greater than the sum total of the things that he's created. The creator is always greater than the creature. And the creation often speaks of the nature of the creator, doesn't it? In fact, the apostle Paul, writing to the Romans in chapter 1, in verse 20, famously, he wrote, For God's, in, God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, are clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. The creation speaks of his eternal power and of his divine nature. Indeed, ever since the creation of the world and the things that he's made, as the psalmist says, the sky above proclaims, that's speaking, proclaims the hand, God's handiwork. And someone has written an interesting thing. This person wrote, science is the discovery of the, of the working order of the universe designed and created by God. And if we respect and hold in high esteem the scientist who discovers things in the universe and how they work, what ought our thoughts be toward the God who designed, created, and put those things in motion? Barbara Brown Taylor in her book, The Preaching Life, wrote this, interestingly. She wrote, God is greater than my imagination, wiser than my wisdom, more dazzling than the universe, as present as the air I breathe. Interesting, the transcendence of God and the eminence of God. God is far away and big, and God is as close as the air you breathe. He's as present as the air I breathe and utterly beyond my control. Rob Bell in his book, Velvet Elvis, wrote, God is the ultimate reality because there is nothing more beyond God. And this is what God is saying to us in creation. The psalmist continues, he says, day, day to day pours out speech. That is, God speaks uh, to what we see in the daytime. Look up into the heavens and what do you see in the daytime? Certainly you see the sun and other things, the clouds. And this continuously, day after day after day, the day pours forth its speech. It has something to say on behalf of God. And the psalmist says, a night to night reveals knowledge. That is, God speaks to us in what we see at the night, at, in, in the nighttime. I remember a few years back, now I guess it's been many years, it might be the uh, proper adjective to use, and I was doing a ministry with, uh, with uh, teens uh, at, a, at a camp, a week-long camp in Wisconsin, and uh, we were finished for the evening, and I was back at the cabin, and somebody came and said, uh, you, you, Scott, come on, you got to come out and see this. 
and here we were way out uh, in, in, the, in the country, way far away from any city lights and such like that. And there was the Milky Way, and I had never seen it except in a picture. And there it was right before me. It was the most spectacular thing I think I've ever seen, certainly in the skies. It was just thick and white and bright and the individual stars making it up. I think it's an interesting thing. Isaiah, the prophet says in Isaiah 40 and verse 26, that God calls all of the stars by name. I mean, there's a lot of names, right? In fact, our own astronomers that ran out of names naming the stars, and now they only ever just give them numbers anymore. But God knows all the stars and knows them by name. And so God speaks continuously to us night after night. The psalmist says that uh, even though there's no speech, in fact, that night when I looked at the Milky Way, I didn't hear anybody. I didn't hear. I didn't hear the stars speaking to me. <laughs> But they sure were communicating something to me. The psalmist says, even though there is no actual speech, no words, it's just a metaphor. Their voice, that is their message, which is God's message, goes out throughout all the world, their words, to the ends of the world. It's an interesting thing. Everyone sees what we see when night comes or day comes. God is speaking to everyone, and no translation is required. And so God is speaking to us in the sky above. And then the psalmist says in particular that God is speaking to us uh, in the sun, in the sun. Notice uh, the second half of verse 4 and on through verse 6. And, and in them, in the heavens, God has set a tent or a canopy for the sun, the place where the, the sun functions which the sun comes out like a bridegroom, bridegroom leaving his chamber. And like a strong man, he runs his course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. And so the psalmist says that the sun rises in the east and uh, sort of an uh, eastern uh, Eastern illustration as a bridegroom, all glorious, uh, emerging from his private chamber. Uh, in the West, uh, the, the, all of the attention is given to the bride at a wedding. Uh, in the East, that's not so. Uh, the, 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 uh, in fact, in, the, in ancient times, more emphasis given to the bridegroom, given to the groom. Uh, and he would be dressed in a way uh, that was uh, just really uh, certainly get your attention. And uh, just as the, as, the, as the sunrise gets your attention, uh, how many of you have taken a picture of a sunrise so that you could bring it home and show other people? I know when we were in Israel and, we, uh, and we're in the, on the Galilee and we were told uh, how, and, uh, at a certain time the, uh, the sun would, rising in the east, come up over the, over the eastern hills and then shine all over the Sea of Galilee. And we got up and I took pictures of it. And so and it was and it started small and then it got bigger and then it just overtook everything. And so like a like a bridegroom coming out of his private chamber and there he is in all of his glory. Or, or as the as the uh, psalmist says, uh, uh, like a like a strong man or a warrior, a, a military champion making his way triumphantly and slowly because war often takes place slowly, certainly 
on the battlefield, just making his way triumphantly and yet making his way just as the sun does. The sun moves very slowly, but who can stop it like a, like a, like a champion, like a military warrior? And the psalmist says that nothing is hidden from its heat. Uh, that is to say that everyone is affected by it. The message, of this, the message that the Son proclaims on God's behalf and saying something about God, that God is even greater than the Son, uh, is heard by everyone, and everyone is affected by it. And so God speaks to us in creation. And then the psalmist says, secondly, that God is speaking to us uh, in the scriptures. In fact, uh, Eugene Peterson in his book entitled Working the Angles wrote this. He said, our living God speaks a living word. Our living God. That's why I speak, by the way, you, you may have noticed that. I speak in the present tense that God is speaking. I don't say he spoke. I'm saying he is speaking. Our living God speaks, that's present tense, speaks a living word, and the scriptures are the written representation of that word. Or even in our own uh, Anglican tradition and in our own articles of religion, we speak of the scriptures as God's word written. And indeed, notice, uh, notice uh, uh, verses uh, 7 and 8, and the psalmist says, The law of the Lord is perfect reviving the soul the testimony of the lord is sure making wise the simple the precepts of the lord are right rejoicing the heart the commandment of the lord is pure enlightening the eyes notice that the scriptures are in the scriptures or by the scriptures god is speaking to us words of transformation do you notice that what the word of god does in the lives of those who hear it uh, Chuck Swindoll in his book, Home, Where Life Makes Up His Mind, wrote, God did not give us his word just to satisfy our curiosity. Rather, he gave us the word to change our lives. In fact, that's a very important point. Uh, uh, of course, if you're having no contact or no serious contact with the word, there's no change taking place likely. Uh, or if you're having regular contact with it and it's not changing your life, so there's some short-circuiting there. But that, that's just what Swindoll says, just uh, taking it from this passage of Scripture itself. God did not give us the Word of God to satisfy our curiosity. He gave us the Word of God to change our lives. And the psalmist says that the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. That's transformation. The soul being in one situation and, and then it being revived. In fact, you might remember that uh, that phrase from the 23rd Psalm, the Lord, the Lord uh, revi rev revives my soul. But uh, the, the, that the word is perfect, the word, word, the law of the Lord is perfect. And all, all of these uh, are, are names or synonyms given to the word of God, the commandments, the precepts, the commands, the law. The law of the Lord is perfect. Uh, the, 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 what that means is that it, it's all that God intends it to be and all that he knows it needs to be for you and for me. Uh, and and the, the, the psalmist says that it revives the soul. That is, it, it brings healing. It, it brings wholeness. It brings life, real life, spiritual life. It brings hope and forgiveness and we could go on, etc., etc. All of these things. And then the psalmist continues and says the testimony of the Lord, which is another way of saying the word of God is sure 
and that it makes wise the simple. Uh, that the word is sure means that it's trustworthy, that you can trust it. There's lots of critical uh, of, um, critical analysis of the word, certainly in the last uh, several s centuries, and that has a way uh, sometimes of sort of kicking the spokes out of your wheels uh, and picking up the word of God and wondering if you can trust it or not. I'm telling you, go ahead and trust it. I've read the critical scholarship. It's very, very interesting. <laughs> but notwithstanding that, you can trust the word of God. Certainly Jesus did. And the apostles, it's trustworthy. And it says, uh, the psalmist says, and it makes wise the simple. And so those who are naive uh, and foolish and perhaps uh, lacking uh, good judgment, but the word of God provides direction and makes wise out of uh, a, a simpleton. And the psalmist says that the, the precepts uh, of the Lord are right and that they rejoice the heart. Uh, that the word is uh, right means that it's just, that it's fair, it's good, it's just. Uh, and I would say, too, that those who live by it are the same. Those who live by the word of God are just and they're fair. They don't pay, they, they're like God. They're not respecter of persons. They always do the right thing, regardless of what pressure might be put upon them or uh, what cost they might have to pay, do for, uh, pay for doing so. They're fair and just. Their, their lives are directed uh, by the word of God. And that it rejoices the heart, that is simple enough, isn't it? It makes the heart glad uh, because in the scriptures, God is speaking, and in his presence, as the psalmist says in the 16th Psalm, in God's presence is fullness of joy. A few weeks back, I finished up a book that was written by a former parishioner of ours, David Taylor, who's a professor at the Fuller Seminary here in, in, the, 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 in, in Texas, the Texas, uh, Texas campus. Uh, his book, uh, Open and Unafraid, uh, the Psalms as a guide to life. And he wrote this, to be full of God is to be full of joy. <laughs> to be full of God is to be full of joy. And to be full of the word of God is to be full of joy. That's what the psalmist said. It rejoices the heart. And then the psalmist says that the, the commandment of the Lord is pure and it enlightens the eyes. That the word is, uh, that the word is pure means that it's, uh, it's free from contamination a free from evil. It's not a mixture of, of the good and the bad, oil and water. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's pure. Uh, it, in fact, there's an interesting uh, description of this in the 12th Psalm, Psalm 12 and verse 6. It says, the word of the Lord's, the word of the Lord are pure, like silver refined in a furnace, uh, purified seven times. Uh, this is the, 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 the crucible. And in ancient times, I suppose in, in uh, present times, uh, the silver would have uh, alloy in it, other other things, other metals, and so forth, and so it's heated up, and the and the because the silver is heavy, the alloys come to the top, and in ancient times uh, they would heat it up and heat it up, and the alloys would come, the contaminants would come to the top, and they would scrape that off, and then the the person who was uh, the working in the foundry would look down until he could see his face in it. And they would heat it up seven times to make sure that the silver was pure. And so the word of God is pure, the psalmist says, in the same way. And he says that it enlightens the eyes. I, I think this is a, 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 a physical reference, that it, it, it makes the eyes of the person uh, bright, uh, that, that they're fully alive. Uh, and, and full of joy. And indeed, the, the, the eyes of a person, like the face of a person, pretty much 
tells a lot, doesn't it? I mean, I, I somebody was asking, uh, talking to me about something and uh, talking about the way people dress uh, as, as it happened. And I said, uh, I, I don't usually notice that. I look at people's faces. Their faces, their face pretty much tells me everything about how they're feeling and, and where they are. And the word of God enlightens the eyes. And, and so in, in the scripture, God speaks to us uh, 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 words of transformation. Finally, the psalmist says that in the scriptures, God speaks to us words of affirmation. Notice the last three verse, uh, uh, verses of the psalm, uh, verses 9, 10, and 11. He says, the fear of the Lord is clean, uh, enduring forever. Uh, the, the rules of the Lord are true, or that the, the, uh, I think Eugene Peterson translates rules as a life map. Rules is kind of sounds kind of negative, but not a life map, right? Everybody wants a life map. That's what that's what the word of God is, by the way. It's a life map. Uh, um, uh, the fear of the Lord is clean and enduring forever. Uh, and the rules of the Lord is true and righteous altogether. And then verse 10, uh, more to be desired are they, what? The words of the Lord than gold, even much fine gold, and sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them, there is great reward. The psalmist uh, says uh, that the fear of the Lord, this is another, another, he means, this is a sort of a strange expression, at least to us. We wouldn't call the, the Bible or the scriptures the fear of the Lord, but it's the scriptures that describe what the fear of the Lord is and calls us to, the, to, uh, uh, to, to fear him and respect him. Uh, the fear of the Lord is clean, or the word of God is clean, and it endures forever. Uh, that, that, that it's clean means that it's without flaw. Uh, and that the word that the word of God endures forever means that it that it transcends a time and trends and and cultural fashion, uh, and that's because humanity never seems to change, uh, and so the word of God uh, never ceases to be applicable. It always has something to say. Uh, in the '60s and '70s, you know, we said, well, it's an old book has nothing to say, uh, but um, we came to found out that actually it does have something to say because humanity seems not to have changed. We have new technology. We're using it today. Uh, I would invite you just to turn on your TV and see if, if people have changed or their, their level of morality uh, has, uh, has ascended or gotten greater. In fact, now you can turn on the TV and people who are upset about other people's morality seem not to be very moral themselves. And so stealing and adultery and, uh, and, and avarice and cheating and, uh, and, and the search for prestige and power and all of these things that we struggle with, all of these uh, immoral things that we struggle with, certainly immoral uh, in the eyes of God, uh, are addressed in the scriptures, bondages that to tie our lives up. Uh, and uh, the scriptures tell us how to get over those things, to find forgiveness for the past and to find power for the present and the future. The psalmist says that the directives of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. That is, it's the opposite of lies. Sort of a trust issue again. The psalmist says that the word of God is more to be desired than gold, even much fine gold. 
that is that the word of God is more valuable than money. Now, most people think that money is, uh, if they just had more money, uh, but that doesn't solve lots of problems. Uh, ask somebody who has a lot of money if, that, if that's the solution. I think it was uh, I think it was Jim Carrey, the comedian, who said everybody should become famous and rich to find out that that's not the answer. <laughs> right. So we need we don't need more money. We need more of the word of God. In fact, the word of God will give you what you need in this life and prepare you for the next. And money can't generally do that, can it? Because we brought nothing into this world and we most certainly will not take anything out. You don't even have to be a Christian to believe that. Any atheist knows that that's true. The psalmist says that the word of God is sweeter than honey, sweeter than the drippings of the honeycomb. I think he's speaking from personal experience. The point is, is that the word of God is so satisfying. Uh, did, uh, what did Jesus say uh, when he was tempted by the devil, uh, quoting from uh, Deuteronomy, that, uh, the book of Deuteronomy? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's satisfying. It's filling. <laughs> and to live without it is to live without what we really need. Last of all, the psalmist says that, uh, or I shouldn't say last of all, there's two more. Uh, the psalmist says that the word of God, uh, in, in it we receive warning against danger and the pitfalls of life. And uh, you, just this last week uh, on the dashboard, there was a, came on a light that said, you better inflate the tires, right? I was on the motorcycle this last week and my, my oil light came on. That gave me a bit of a fright. And I got home and I thought, okay, well, I need to, I got out my manual and figuring this thing out. And uh, I think the only problem that I had was, is that the, actually the cap over the, or over the, the tank where, or where they are, uh, over where the oil goes in uh, had come loose. So I had plenty of oil, but, uh, but, the, but the cap was, was loose. And so the oil pressure I uh, wasn't what it should be, but I was glad that that I was glad for the warning, right? And, and God and God through His Word warns us. He says, "Beware! I wouldn't go any closer to that. You might want to stay away from that, uh, both in this life and the next." And then finally, last of all, the psalmist says that in keeping the Word of God, there's great reward. Nobody knows that better than somebody who's obeying the Word. And finds that all of these things that we've just described, like I expect that this was the psalmist's personal experience, that the word of God has been all of these things to him, as perhaps the word of God has been uh, to many of you. And I hope so, indeed. And so God is speaking to us. He's speaking to me. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to us in creation. He's speaking to us in the scriptures. One might say that God is calling us in creation and through the scriptures to respond to him. Something that uh, Jesus often said, and I expect that most of you are, are, remember this, that uh, he, he said that uh, many are called, but few are chosen. And what's the difference between those who are called and those who are chosen? Well, the difference between those who are called and those who are chosen is that the chosen not only hear, <laughs> but they answer the call. God is speaking. Amen. Let us pray. You're speaking if we have eyes to see. Uh, we take a picture of a sunrise and we send it uh, to a, a friend and uh, 
We say, isn't this beautiful? Or a sunset in the West. Uh, and maybe we forget to think, my God, and if, if that's so beautiful and so extraordinary and so big, and if the universe is expanding and on and on we might go, whether we're looking through a microscope or a telescope, whether we're looking at something so small or something so big, and all of it is, a, it, it is beyond fascination, and to think that this all came from the mind of the creator, it's an extraordinary thing, Lord, to think that you want to have a conversation with us and that you are our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that all of this belongs to you and all of it was your idea. As one, as one, uh, one person said, uh, uh, God created us because he thought we might enjoy it. <laughs> well, we are enjoying it to the extent that we're walking with you. Otherwise, other, other things are just temporary forms of entertainment and so forth. Joy that's uh, rooted in things that are contingent and circumstantial. But when we have, when our, when our life and our joy is rooted in you, that you, you give us something that can't be taken away. And what we experience in this life is something that we take into the next. This is all wisdom, and uh, it's your word that pulls us in that direction and so informs us. And so, Lord, I would pray that we might have ears to hear even that speechless speech as it calls us into fellowship with you. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.